You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Friends, welcome to a new episode of the Rua Space Podcast. I am Phil Vestal. And I am Erin Vestal, and we're so glad you're here with us today, where we explore how we can make space for the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. And today, we're excited to share with you the newest installment of our What Does the Bible Say About series, in which we explore what the Bible says about the Bible. It was, a, it was a weird <laughs> coming up with the title. Because when you're but studying like what that. the Bible says about something, how do you describe what it says about itself? Yeah. And at first we were thinking about calling it, what does the Bible say about studying the Bible or studying scripture? But that quickly led me to a realization that I was uncomfortable with the idea that we were going to define the main way we engage with scripture as studying. And when I say that, I am sort of saying it from the perspective that I originally went into ministry and changed my major to studying the Bible because I loved studying the Bible. Like there's something about the language, the literature, the history, the culture. I mean, I love digging deep into the Bible. Yeah, and you could dig deep for a lifetime and still have more to explore and uncover right. and discover. And so we are all for that. And that obviously guides orthodox belief and practice and all of that. But there's more to it. Study can't really be all there is. So as we're talking about spiritual disciplines, we've talked about things like fasting and meditation and the Sabbath and prayer. These disciplines that create space in our life to connect with God, connect with ourselves, become who God made us to be. We want to sort of then talk about what does it look like to approach the Bible in that way. And for me, academic study simply isn't enough. I think it's a very important piece. I also think it's out of any of the ways we use the Bible, that's probably the most celebrated and comfortable to our culture because we are in such an academic-minded uh, setting in all parts of our life. It's very methodical. It can be very um, list-oriented, very right and wrong answer. You can it's, – it's how we teach kids to – like search for meaning in books in school, right? Is you study a book and you get the right answers or you think about the feelings. And so I think it's just what we're most familiar with, which is is why we do that the most often. But therein lies the actual problem. Because when we teach nowadays how to read anything, not just talking about the Bible, especially in our modern world, it's from a consumption perspective. That and is, it is true. And it's from a control perspective of this is a thing I'm going to read to just consume information so that I can in some way control the information that it's given me. Does that sort of make sense? And so we teach so. how to like tear things apart, how to enter into it as if the book is a thing that we study. But the thing with scripture is we aren't meant to just approach it in that way because scripture actually is pointing us to God and a relationship to God. 
And so think about, for example, how the original audience would have engaged scripture. See, we now have Bibles, right? They're actual printed texts that we all have in our homes or on your phone nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. And they're words on a page that you can read by yourself in order to, to understand, in order to glean information from. But in the original time, there weren't Bibles everywhere. It wasn't until the Gutenberg Press, much later on, when people actually started having Bibles. So originally, it was like your town might have a scroll, right? And not everyone knew how to read. So this is why when like Paul's letters were sent out, there would be a person who would take it to the synagogue or to the church and read to the whole congregation at once, right? This is why Revelation, right in the beginning, it says... Uh, In chapter 1, verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. So you would hear the words of Scripture as a community. Right. And there's a difference between reading something and hearing something. Well, even a little, to digress us a little further down this rabbit trail, but even the early books of Scripture... Um, early on in the Old Testament, they weren't writing things down. So there's a very strong belief that the earliest books of the Bible were actually oral traditions that were passed down from generation to generation. And then eventually those started being written into scrolls. And then there's even parts of the Bible where people didn't sit down thinking I'm writing a book of the Bible now or this is going to become holy scripture they're they're writing letters or they're writing right. poems or they're um, they're chronicling what has happened in history right. and it was this this very long drawn out process of gathering these sacred texts together and then deciding that this is what's going to make what we call scripture right the Bible because it spoke to their communal history of experience with God and so then you would well it identified their story right and it and it showed them that now that you've joined this group of people now that you've become a Christian here's your backstory here's the story of the God you now serve here's everything you need to know and how God interacts with us and how we should interact with each other and what we've been taught and what we've been challenged on. And here's the pitfalls people have had before that you need right. to watch out for. And it's it's this living, vibrant thing. And now we today, when we become Christians, I think sometimes we're so quick to pick up the Bible and say, okay, now I need to figure out this. But really, it's this invitation to say, look, this is the story of your people. Now that you've come to know Jesus Christ, this is your story. These are these events are your history. They're they're your heritage. And and see, and that then starts to get to that difference between just reading something to gain knowledge and listening to truly enter into that story and that relationship. So, for example, Eugene Peterson, he has this book called Working the Angles. He's the one who he's the one who wrote the message. Translated the message. Yeah, yes, yeah, the for message. anyone who's familiar exactly. with that but didn't connect them. So, And, and he says um, the idea of like looking at the text, like you're seeing it with your eyes. He says, you know, the, very, the verb looking is taken over. I'm no longer listening to a voice, not listening to the God to whom I will give a response and obedience and faith, becoming the person he is calling into existence, 
I'm looking for something that I can use to do a better job for which people will give me a raise if I um, do it con uh, conspicuously well enough. And he's talking about pastors there. And he's saying how even wow. pastors can fall into the, I'm reading this to gain an ability to preach on Sunday so people will pay me. I'm Ouch. reading it in order to teach something. Yeah. But, but he's saying it, it doesn't just end with pastors, though. I think he right. would agree that then... A lot of us read it to say, well, let me get the list of things to do or the to having the right beliefs, right? As if Ooh, I can just... let me memorize the right scripture verse that's going to change me into a better person. Right. So or there's... as a parent of a child who now memorizes scripture, let me give my kid the scripture verse he needs to memorize to make him a better person. Right. So it's there's a taking away right. the angle. It is. And and th so that's where that consumption part comes in. If I'm going to this in order to get something out of it for me to become better. But he looks at Psalm chapter 40 and he says it's very interesting because Psalm chapter 40 says, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. And he translated translates it as my ears you have dug out. Like that there was something blocking the ears and they needed to be like opened again and because we weren't hearing. And he looks at that passage and he says, well, look at, you know, like look at Israel, right? They knew how to do the right sacrifices. They knew all the right rituals. But how frequently they were going to the temple, doing all the right things. Look at the Pharisees in the New Testament who say, we tithe of everything. We do it all right. And Jesus is like, you guys are leading people astray. Well, because they, they missed the point. Right. They had the law. They had the right, <laughs> right knowledge. They had all of it from reading. And again, it's not to say reading is bad, but it's to say that there's a way we can read to say, I've got all the right answers. So now I've got it put together. So the Bible is here so I can look right before other people and before God, I can set myself right. Whereas ears dug out says, I'm going to get to the, not even me, but God is going to speak the truth into my life of a relationship with him. Mm. So we sort of start to get, we're going to kind of keep swirling around this here, but we're getting at the difference between like knowing in the Bible and knowing, right? The second knowing being like Adam knew his wife Eve, in the intimate childbearing way of knowing somebody, as opposed to, I know your name, I know what you look like, I know what color mm. eyes you have, and I know you intimately. Right. We can read the Bible and in the first sense, know God. I can spout all the right theology, all the right beliefs, because I have the right knowledge. Except the problem is the book of James says, even the demons know there's one God and they shudder, right? right? All these demons, when Jesus casts them out, he, they know who he is. Yeah, he's always telling them to not say who right. he yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. But there's another part of knowing that is an experiential, and this is the part you were sort of getting at, was getting into the story of this is a communal history that is now my history. Like right. it wasn't just the Israelites 4,000 years ago that went through the Exodus, but that was me going through the Exodus. When it was my people, it's my heritage. Exactly. So, was... so it takes it from an individual, this is for me to get to heaven or me to have the right stuff. And reading the Bible and listening to the Bible this is why we love like Lectio Divina, right? right? Because there's someone reading and you're listening kind of gets us back into that, um, that original context of hearing the word, which by the way, plug, we do every Sunday night on Facebook live at eight o'clock central time to <laughs> it gets us into that, right? Right. It does. But there's this sense in which then you are entering into a listening posture to say, I'm not coming to scripture to control it. I'm not going to even try and get, all the right understandings of it, which can come and we should work for. 
But to say this, like another spiritual discipline is me opening space so God can clear out of my ears the distractions, the consumerism, the lies, the idols, the addictions, the, you know, whatever else might be there so that I can enter into a relationship with the living God in the Mm -hmm. intimate way of a husband and wife knowing each other. That's the image God uses throughout scripture is, Mm -hmm. is of a marriage. And so the Bible for, for us, I think first and foremost is this engaging scripture is another way in which we come to know who God was, is, and is going to be. Because God doesn't change, right? It's though I was, I am, I, and, I, and I will be. So it is that entering into that relationship. Mm. I like, uh, Ruth Haley Barton has another way to describe the exact same thing you're talking about, which is the difference between approaching scripture as a textbook mm-hmm. and going as an object we are about to study versus a love letter yeah and she even talks about you know picture you know when you were in school or if you are still in school when you sit down with your history book how you go about getting information out of it versus when a spouse or if you're dating a boyfriend or girlfriend when they write you a love letter how you sit down and read that letter they've written you. There's there's a difference. Yeah. Um, or at least for, for me, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah. So I agree with her. Um, you know, one, you're intent on studying to learn. And one, you're intent on just kind of letting their words wash over you and shape you and transform your relationship. And I would, I would again, we're going to, like Phil said, we're going to keep dancing around the same concepts, I suppose. But there is definitely a time and place for Bible study. And so oh, yeah. we are not, and I think we said this earlier, we're not <laughs> anti-Bible study. In fact, we're going to do a whole series about in-depth things you've probably never heard of, ways to study the Bible. It's going to be sweet. Yeah, we're very <laughs> excited. So we are pro-Bible study. Let that be clearly heard. But it can lead you off track quickly if it's where it stops. Yes, I think that's it. Is There's a time and place for that. But there's also a time and place for letting your heart just experience this and be open to how God is speaking and using scripture and transforming through scripture. And I think the difference too comes, um, I've been becoming more aware of how my own um, responses to things kind of signal mental health and you know, am I too tired, irritable? There's different things that can pop up as red flags. And I think... That's awareness, yo. You're <laughs> yes, getting there. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's mindfulness. A, it's a journey. So um, one thing that I think might be common amongst other people um, has been my experience is sometimes I've reached the point where I go to read my Bible and I think, I just don't want to. I don't have the energy for this. And I can feel a resistance inside that this isn't something I want to be bothered with right now because it's too much. And I think um, for me, my experience, when I feel that way, it's an indicator, it's a bit of a red flag that I've been doing too much Bible study and not enough engaging scripture, if that makes sense. That there's your heart kind of can't take more because you might be filled up with other things. Maybe work is a lot. There's a lot of decisions you've been making. Parenting is in a tough season, what have you. 
you can tell in your heart that you're not there able to study something else. Mm-hmm. And I think in those times being able to admit, okay, you know what? It's all right not to study my Bible today. Maybe today's a good day where I just go somewhere like the Psalms and read a passage and accept that there were others who have felt these things before me, have had hard times or are full of joyful times. And that's part of my heritage too. You know, there's, so I guess I'd encourage just paying attention to your awareness. I don't know, have you experienced anything like that, Phil? I mean, you're in the Bible all the time because that's your work and that's your other work and then that's your hobby. Um, (laughs) Do you, is it just me or do you ever feel that where you think, man, I've been studying a lot. I need some space to actually experience God to breathe some life back into me so that then you're inspired to study. Like for me, it's a cycle. It's just Do you. you ex- <laughs> oh, gosh. No, no. And I we'll mean, be editing everything no, I just said. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's true. Because, again, it's it reminds me of John 1, where it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or as Eugene Peterson would say, moved into the neighborhood. What's beautiful about that is that it's a, again, it's a living thing meant to bring life and meant to lead us to life, mm-hmm. which then in the same word makes it like a standing stone or what in Scotland they would call a cairn, which is kind of, you know, you see throughout the Bible, like after Joshua and, and the people cross the river and he says, we're going to set up stones here. So as a memory for future, uh, future generations, well, what are those there for? And you can tell them the story of right. God's faithfulness. Standing stones are meant to guide us. They're meant to remind us of the truth and then lead us. So a cairn is something hikers put on the side of the road to guide you on the right path. And I think when we come to scripture again, as you were saying with the idea of, well, I'm going to study it to, to like get something or um, w- without that sort of life component you're talking about or, or the sense of not studying it to say, let me tear apart all the words, but let me just enter into the feeling Right. That that David was sharing or this psalmist or Job or yeah. Paul or Feel the, the gospel sorrow of writer. Job or the joy right. of David. It, it, it's or... literally entering into it in a different way where you're listening. You're not coming to it and controlling it. You're allowing it to, in a sense, control and enter into your story. You're sort of entering into the larger thing. And mm-hmm. I think that, that that brings more life because it, it hits at a different place in us. And again, we, we're not separated beings, right? I mean, our body and our mind all work together. But when we come to it, to it just with the mind, I think that's what creates that tired feeling yeah. because the rest of us is like, well, this has nothing to say to me. And it's like, well, actually, it has everything to say because right. this is meant to point us again to God, to that relationship and to that God is always like moving into the incarnation direction of becoming a flesh and blood being. And so the Bible is meant to lead us to that flesh and blood God who's alive and well and, and around us today. Right. Well, and I was just thinking too, while you were sharing, um, you know what the Bible does say about the Bible, even though it doesn't call it the Bible, it's talking about scripture, which is, you know, the holy writings. Um, yeah, that was one of the interesting things. People didn't know they were like writing the Bible. I know, right? Bible, right? <laughs> I wonder if they were shocked, like <laughs> when they found out, yeah. I guess, you know, when they died and they watched. Yeah, like Habakkuk's up in heaven right now, like, <gasps> I made it in. <laughs> um, yeah, just interesting. But I, I was just thinking, you know, the scripture does talk about just the importance of meditating on scripture. I mean, it's it's in Psalms, right? Meditate on a scripture day and night. And um, 
I think when we do that and we have the heart to do that, that that call is to come to know it at your heart level. And again, if you go back and listen to earlier episodes where we do where we talk about meditation, Lectio Divina, I think that's really the heart of the other aspect of scripture. Um, but I think when you contemplate scripture and you tuck it into your heart and let it wash over you and be something you experience and enjoy, it does trigger this curiosity and this desire to know more about it. And then you read some history about a piece of scripture and that brings the scripture alive. And so then when you go to meditate on that scripture, now it's even closer to your heart. And I think it's it's a dance in which both methods of engaging scripture complement each other and and grow each other. Would you No, absolutely. Agree and with and that? I think I think one of the things we that I'm becoming more aware of and more careful of now is being careful of this is the one thing that this text means. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to study the history. And because now I've studied the history and I know what this word is, here's the one interpretation that is applicable for all people in all times. And yeah. I'm becoming more weary of that because, you know, when I, when I studied with a rabbi, I love the, he taught us that there were 70 faces to every Torah. And that's a very long held belief in the Judeo-Christian tradition. And what they mean by that is that scripture is like a diamond. And as you turn a diamond in the light, it reflects different. You see into it different. You see different aspects. And scripture being kind of the same way, 70 faces to every Torah, meaning 70 faces to every scripture, to every verse, even to sometimes every word. And that gets us to the idea again of I think sometimes scripture becomes boring or like it feels like work to get it because we already think we know what it means Mm -hmm. or it's not applicable to us because we've been told, oh, this is about that. Or about them. Right. Or this is. But when there's 70 faces, it's like every time you come to it. And again, not becoming legalistic about let's count out one, two, three, up to 70. (laughs) No, it's not about that. But to say it's so multifaceted and deep that each time you come to it, where you are in your life, what you with your experience, with your culture, with your age, even with everything, with different understandings, with different openness, God can reveal different aspects of what is what's present there Mm -hmm. and therefore lead us in new directions into life. And so this isn't to say that any interpretation goes, because that's obviously not helpful either. But it is to say that there's a lot more mystery in play in the text than we sometimes like to think. And that opens up possibilities for new ways of life and engagement with God. But one thing I would say sort of about that, if I can go for just a minute or two Mm -hmm. here, is when we come to scripture, and this to me is one of the other major points to get out of this episode, is that there is an overarching storyline to the Bible. Right. So whenever we study or whenever we are doing Lectio Divina or any way of engaging scripture, we're entering into a story that is consistent from Genesis to Revelation. That is the reconciliation and redemption of all things. So from the very beginning, God had meant to be in a perfect relationship with Adam and Eve, and they're made in the image of a community. So when the scriptures say we are made in the image of God, we're made in the image of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a community, which means that we most fully live the image of God in community with one another and in community with God. 
But of course, because of how we live, those things have been broken down, right? And so there's the knowledge of the tree of good and evil at one part of the book. And then at the very end of the book, being the book of Revelation, is the tree of life again. And everyone in Christ has the right to eat from that tree of life. And the movement from the whole thing is to sort of get us from one tree to another. To get us from the I'm better off without you, God, when I'm doing it my own, to God love for us and redeeming us back into relationship with him. So the problem's never been from God's side, right? The problem's always been from our side. Yeah. And so there's text throughout scripture of Jesus came to reconcile all things to himself. In Revelation, I came to make all things new. And so from Abraham to all people are going to be blessed through you to the freedom of the Exodus and the people in the land to Jesus, life, death, and resurrection, all the way to the end, reconciliation is what it's all about that it, it is resurrection it is redeeming relationships and all people back together so much so that paul says in second corinthians that when we are in christ we're a new creation and the idea is that we are then ministers of reconciliation we are literally ambassadors of this message and so we like to look at scripture and say well let's argue about this little thing or oh at this church they don't agree with us on this little doctrine we're just going to leave right they're heretics we had nothing to do with them and it's not to say that people can't sometimes be wrong about something but we like to get into arguments and debates that are endless debates over things whereas the biggest message is do we believe that resurrection in christ is the word right for god so loved the world all things so whenever we come to scripture, God is trying to invite us into the reconciliation of all things. When we get caught up in saying, well, there's all this other stuff. And I'm not saying we don't discuss other things. Absolutely. And there's right and there's wrong and, and there's all of that. But when we lose focus on the reconciliation of all things is the most important point. I believe Satan's really happy because mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. And so when we talk about what does the Bible say about the Bible? It's about a relationship with God, loving God and loving others, right? That's how Jesus even sums it up. He's like, here's the whole summation of the law and the prophets, love God and love others. And what is that? That is reconciliation. Right. And so that's the core of all of it. When we come to scripture, if anything goes against loving God and loving others, the reconciliation, the redemption of all things, then we know it's wrong. For sure, it's off. Mm. And so that to me would say, whenever you're engaging scripture, Always be asking the question, how does this lead us into greater redemption and reconciliation? Because that's at the core of what's going on. Mm. So that point you just made about the reconciliation, I think has some really interesting implications when we use that as a filter for uh, both studying scripture ourselves and listening to others' interpretations of scriptures. Because like you said, there's 70 facets to every every Torah, to every scripture. There's multiple ways and situations and circumstances. But that, that thread that runs through scripture of reconciliation gives us, I think, the ultimate lens by which we can look at and engage the message and make sure that we aren't being led astray at any point. Um, so, for example, when you look at American history, there is a huge divide among amidst amongst pastors um, on whether or not certain passage in the, passages in the Bible endorsed slavery. And there were pastors, primarily in the North, who argued that those passages did not promote slavery. And there were pastors in the South and others, but the church had a large foothold in the 
in the debates, the South was holding strong to know this is what the scripture says and here's how it justifies us using slavery. And so um, there is a history and you look at other Christian events, um, the Crusades, um, the Spanish Inquisition, there's there's some ugly blemishes in the Christian tradition where scripture has been used to manipulate cultures, to manipulate how we treat other people. And I think then that's where the wisdom of what you shared is really important to see what is being taught using scripture. And is it bringing about that reconciliation that God is after, that we're seeing Christ teach and, and live and die for and resurrect for? Um, or are we seeing people who are trying to gain something and using scripture makes it seem moral now because the Bible's been quoted. Yeah, it always comes back to love God and love others. That's the summation that Jesus gives us. And therefore, that's our ultimate like lens. That's the ultimate key that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And we're always looking for it to bring us closer to God. I mean, let me just say right here that the Bible is not God. It's very easy to have a relationship with the Bible and have no relationship with God because the Bible is this revelation of God, but we can end up making the Bible actually an idol in the way that we place it on such a pedestal pedestal of worship almost. Whereas it's God that it points to that's to be worshiped, not the Bible. The Bible Mm. is that revelation that is to be taken seriously. It is our guide. But ultimately, that word became flesh in Jesus. And again, it points us to God. It points us to the living God that is alive and well today. And so scripture, again, just to kind of return to where we started, to sort of bring it back together again, is something we come to with a listening posture so that God can speak to us and draw us to God's self. Mm -hmm. That not just to gain more knowledge, not just to have the right beliefs, not, not to know the law in and out so I can do the right things and avoid the wrong things. Because again, that's, you know, in Galatians 5, Paul contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the spirit. Works being the problem. I can work myself up to something. And fruit of the spirit being when the spirit is inside of us, this is the natural result. Which mm-hmm. again comes from relationship. Not from I know so much that I can do it. But it is the one in me that produces this fruit. And so the Mm -hmm. Bible is this amazing, wonderful, beautiful invitation to grow closer to God, to open ourselves deeper to the Holy Spirit. And of course we do that with study, but again, it's not in order to study the Bible, it's in order to grow closer to the one that it reveals. And so always guiding us to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, in the community, in the story of reconciliation. And again, we're going to dive into many ways to study the Bible, but we're also going to always return to how do we create a posture of listening to Scripture, of listening to God's voice, who's still speaking, who's still present. The Word still continues to speak into our life today. And so it's always about that relationship with God. That's the foundation of it. So that's what I think the Bible says about the Bible. So brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining us. We are super excited that we could share with you what the Bible says about the Bible. We also have a blog post that went along with this. And we would love for you to join us any Sunday that you're listening to this for Lectio Divina as we listen together to the text. And until next time, 
Grace and peace be with you.